All right. So we're in uh, Genesis. We're we're actually getting to the last. Um, we're not actually at at the end yet, but we're um, we're we're getting to the last really big story. Um, there's a lot of little things I'll point out here and there, but but the story of Joseph is what we're going to start getting into tonight. There, there's a little picture. Um, um, there, there's a there's a whole chapter that's just devoted that we're skipping over that's just devoted to um, Esau and his descendants, and it talks about basically all of his uh, children and the children's children and and how they spread out and what all of that. But I don't I don't have much to say about that at all. And then afterwards, it gets into the story of uh, of Joseph uh, and. And uh, except there's this little, um, and most of the next like 12 chapters, I think, is about Joseph, primarily focusing on Joseph. And and uh, it's a it's an absolutely um, fabulous story, and it's so it's just so full. We're going to spend at least a couple weeks on the story of Joseph, if not. Uh, if not more, I, I don't know, because there's just so much, I mean, it's 12 chapters for one, but there's just so much in this, in this story, so many views, and, and, and once you see them, some of you maybe have heard me share about Joseph before, I've done it, um, well, I did it in Costa Rica a few times, I'm not sure when the last time, I, I may have done it in, in other uh, times as well, but uh, I'm going to try to be a little more detailed about it this time, and, uh, and, and, and there's just so many pictures of Christ that are just kind of interwoven together and some are really developed um, it, and it's like it's almost like in some places you're watching this story unfold and then God like stops and 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 gives you like three or four pictures of this one element and then keeps going and then really and stops again and then really develops this other it, it, I don't you know that'll make sense as we go through it but um, I was I was about to say that we're about to get into to Joseph and the only story I I, that I I don't have much to say about I'm skipping a few things here and there little things I think there's one more really cool picture of the first and the second remember with Tamar um, or Tamar or whatever the, the the it's just the one where, where she has twins and the one sticks out its uh, arm first and then they tie a scarlet um, ribbon on it or, or a thread and then it pops it back in and then the, and then the other one comes out first and it's just one of those other pictures of um the first and the second and the second actually having the having the right to the firstborn or having the the preeminence even though the other one came out first it showed its preeminence as as existing before the you know the, the one actually came out fully first and then the one that had the scarlet uh thread tied around its wrist is it comes out second, and it's just one of those many pictures of the first and the second. The second being the greater, the second being the the first, the second made first, or the second made preeminent or firstborn. But other than that, little story there. Um, pretty much the next m- many chapters here have to do with with Joseph, and I just thought I have it put it in my notes here to just give a little plug. Um, most of you probably do this, but. You know, it's a really good idea to read the Old Testament, even if you don't see anything. And I, I every once in a while, I give a little plug to people just just to read it, read it, 
and and obviously the the goal of reading it is always to have the spirit of god um show you the let you see with the light with which it was written you know let you see the thing that god was seeing when he recorded that story that's always the goal uh, because seeing by faith is also living by faith you can't see by faith and not live by it you can't you can't see by light and not walk in light and so we're trying we're hoping we're, we're our desire is to grow in faith and thereby grow in expectation and love and and experience the things that we're seeing and uh and yet, a lot of times people um, they start, you know, hearing about maybe some of the types and shadows in the Old Testament, and they say to themselves, you know, I don't see that stuff when I look. I'm just I'm not going to read it anymore because all I see is you know Bible stories or, or whatever. Or I can't I, I those things don't st- stand out at me don't, or jump out to me yet or whatever. And and I just always want to tell people, you know what? Forget about that. Just read it. Um, read it obviously with the heart to see the Lord, but even if you don't see anything, at least you're you're giving the Spirit of God something. Even your familiarity with the natural story will give the Lord something He can work with to to reveal Christ. And um, and I, I certainly, just so you know, I certainly don't see these things. Um, every time I read the Old Testament, or, or they all they, they just don't like constantly jump out at me. I, I just I just keep reading through the Old Testament, and uh, you know I finish finish it and start it again, or finish one section and start it again, you know, or and uh, and and just whatever one time or another something, whether I'm reading that story or not, just my familiar, the Lord will be dealing with my heart about something, and then and then. Um, and then I'll realize that I've read five different stories that that previously were unrelated in my mind or in my heart that suddenly all point to the same reality that the Lord's dealing with my heart about, and that's um, that's something that happens all the time. And so, but but I don't think it would happen as freely, or there wouldn't be as much uh, uh, I don't know tools to work with. I don't know the right word for the Holy Spirit, but if I wasn't even familiar with the with the story itself. So don't worry if you don't see anything clearly as you read through it. At least you have the picture in your mind, familiar in your heart, so that the Lord can make that thing come alive. And... Um, and that's man, and that you know nowhere is that more true than this story of Joseph. I seriously, I remember the first time I read it and started to see just a tiny little picture of you know what I think Joseph is a is a is a is a picture of Christ. I think that Joseph, you know, something very general, being rejected by his brothers and and then raised up and exalted to the right hand of Pharaoh. You know, I think that's a picture of Christ. And then and that was kind of neat. And then uh, and then the next time I read through it two or three other little things popped out, you know, and the next time five or, you know, whatever. And, and, and pretty soon you just, you see all like the Lord, this story, maybe because it's just the longest one in the book of Genesis. It's, it's just, to me, it just feels like it's, I don't know, pregnant with or bursting with, uh, so filled up with, with, uh, important views of Christ. So there's my little, um, advertisement to to read the well, of, of this story and, and and maybe maybe as we go through it I, I would recommend reading along or, I mean during the week read read these last 12 13 chapters of Genesis read them a few times 
and uh, you know, in your spare time, whatever, in your free time. Um, all right. To start with, the, just to take you back a little bit in time, remember the birth of Joseph. We talked about how Leah, and, and as far as I can see, Leah and Rachel are another picture of the first and the second. As I mentioned before, God, you know, Leah kind of as the first Israel or the first um, uh, mother uh, of of the sons of Israel gives birth to the sons of the flesh first. She wasn't ever the, the, the one that Jacob truly wanted, but she was first. She was given to him first. He, he accepted her, but, but his heart was always set on the second. And Leah, and so Rachel stands back in the background while Leah, Rachel being Zion or the, the spiritual mother of the true sons of God or whatever, uh, stands back and and watches the first Israel, the first mother of the sons of Israel, give give birth to her children over and over and over again while Rachel is barren. And this corresponds with lots of other pictures of the first and the second, a whole bunch of prophecies, especially in Isaiah, where the the you know the the woman uh, the the mother how how does it say it the um, the, the one wife gives birth to her children while the unbar- while the while the barren woman you know um, is is infertile and then all of a sudden with one quick groan Zion travails and gives birth to a nation in in a day and 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 there's so there's those 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 prophecies that's what's going on here and so Rachel the beloved wife. Uh, Waits and waits and waits, and finally she says to her husband, "Give me children, or I die." And he says, "Am I in the place of God that I can give you children?" And, and then, but then, um, the Lord opens her womb, and she gives birth to Joseph. So it's important because we're even before this narrative of the life of Joseph begins. We're, we know we we need to have the awareness that we're we're dealing with the. The long-awaited son here. He's different. He's he's the son of the beloved wife. He's the favorite of the father. Clearly, a picture of Christ. He's the one that is loved by the father. He he's he's separate, and yet he's among his brothers according to the flesh. He's among um, those to whom he's naturally related to, and and I think that throughout uh, the beginning of this, or throughout the actually throughout the in, in the entire story. Um, Joseph, Joseph's brothers are um, Christ's, are the Jews, are the natural sons of of the first woman. It's and and it's and it's these natural brothers that the, the father sends the son to go check on these brothers. Remember in the story, and again, uh, if you if you're not familiar with this, maybe. You know, after tonight, sometime read it again and listen to it. Listen to the, the to what I'm saying again tonight. It might because if you're not if you if you don't have the story fresh in your mind, some of these details won't strike you as being maybe as as, as awesome as they are. But the father sends you know the, the sons are out shepherding their flocks, and the father sends the son go check on go check on your brothers. You know, in in a similar way that Christ. Uh, enters into the world of his brothers, or so to speak, the Jews, according to the flesh, and 
and and very much like Jesus's constant um, uh, cries of of uh, hypocrisy and 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 fallenness and the inside of the cup being dirty and all of these things that Jesus was saying about his brethren after the flesh. Joseph too um, has a bad report. He. He has a, a bad report about his brothers, and 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 they don't like him because he's first of all they know that he's the beloved of the father. Um, second of all, he has he has this ability to see where things are going, if, you, if I can put it that way. He he sees beyond the natural. He sees beyond the present. He sees. He sees a kingdom coming, and he sees that that kingdom involves his entire family, the sun, the moon, and the stars, bowing down at his feet. And, and you know, there's a lot of... I've heard all kinds of weird sermons about this when I was a kid. Um, you know, even sermons like, if God gives you a dream... You know, it, it, back... <laughs> I remember this one guy talking about how... Uh, it was a t- guy talking about prophetic dreams and ministry and stuff, and how using the book of Joseph or b- the story of Joseph to talk about how you you should only tell your dreams to certain people and don't go running out there and telling everyone about your whatever. It's just it's dumb, dumb interpretations or applications. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that he is proclaiming what is to come. He's proclaiming a judgment. He's proclaiming the fact that they will fall one way or another. They will fall at their at, at on their face and, and and worship before the one who has been exalted to the right hand of God. And he's proclaiming this and uh and the sons of natural Israel are jealous, are envious, are full of anger and and yet Joseph knows that his own glory and kingdom are coming. And um, so, so, so right away there's, in this story, there is, uh, I think there's, it's kind of like right here, I, I would say that the, the, the story kind of um, takes a, almost like a, well, in some remember how I've said before on types and shadows. Sometimes it seems like there's a there's a deck of cards, and you know those guys that spread out the deck of cards on the table and like flip them over, and they all do like dominoes, and then they gather them back up again. That that's always happening throughout the Old Testament, and I feel like the Lord right here after God after the Father sends the Son to check on his brothers. There, it's like he spreads out the view a little bit, spreads out the cards before gathering them back up again, and shows us um, three distinct pictures of the death of Christ. Well, there comes to be a fourth too, but um, yeah, yeah, I guess well, let's stick with three for now. Three, three separate kind of uh, views of what this death is all about. Uh, uh, kind of like the panoramic view. So the story kind of, in terms of the way that it parallels, um, like in a, in, a, in a linear fashion, it's like the, the line, I'm just, I'm trying to describe how I see this, but it's almost like a timeline gets to a point and spread, fans out and then keeps going. And, and the fanning out here is to give us these three pictures of death. 
One of them is um, the the brothers see him coming, reject. There's a picture of of, of death in the brothers' rejection of their of their um, of their brother Joseph, and uh, paint at least giving us a picture of of death. And what they do to him, they rip up his robe, they cover it with blood, and they throw the guy into a deep well. And I think if I were to put a title to this view, I would call it the rejected savior. This one that is is actually for their own good to reign over them and, and is sent by the father and all of that. He's this rejected savior. And in jealousy, his brothers, again, cover his multicolored coat in blood, throw him into the well, and that's it's just a really clear picture of Christ here, um, and and his his death. I think back when we talked about um, it must have been the the rainbow in Genesis chapter nine. Um, I may have mentioned this, but I I feel like the uh, the the multicolored coat and the fact that that becomes torn and covered with blood. It seems to me that there's a few places in Scripture where multicolors um, represent the many coming into one judgment, or the whole world being gathered up into one judgment, or all of Israel being gathered up into one judgment. Joseph puts on this multicolored coat and then bears this judgment in himself and ends up coming. You know, as he says later, God did this for for your good to exalt me as a savior over all of this land, and and yet I I, I feel like this is a very similar picture to what's called the breastplate of judgment that we'll see in Exodus, where all of the tribes of Israel are represented in different colored stones on the. Um, on the breastplate of judgment where it says Aaron bears the judgment of all Israel over his heart when he walks into the holy place. So not the holy of holies, but the holy place. And so he's, as he goes into the, into the, that, that, uh, inner chamber, um, and, and, and he was the, he was the only guy that could do that. He brings with him into the presence of God an entire, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, all having been judged at the door, having been judged in the, in the blood, in the death, in the lamb. Uh, it's all those pictures that God's already given of that at the, at the door in Exodus 12, at the base of the mountain in Exodus 24, and then he puts those judged ones, um, into the one high priest and enters into the house of God. And so I see those colors there, I think, pretty clearly representing many coming into one death, one judgment, and then by, by that way entering into the, the house of God. Uh, the, the, the flood, I think I mentioned back you know, a long time ago, is, is, it seems to me that, that the rainbow comes out of the death. It's the sign of the death of the whole world Everyone gathered up into one enormous judgment, and God even himself says that this is a sign, and when I see the sign, I will remember my my oath, my covenant, that I have already judged the world, and I will not judge them again in a flood. So, 
I think there too you have the, it's almost like God, we always think of the rainbow, we always think of us looking up at the rainbow and remembering God's covenant. But God, when he's talking about that, he says, when I see the bow in the clouds, I will remember my, so it's almost like God's looking down at you know, sin still happening after the the ark, after the flood, and yet this rainbow is, is forming like a covering or 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 like kind of like a blanket over the flesh, saying, "I've already judged that. That's already been. That's already been all humanity. Red, white, black, blue, whatever has all already been been punished, been put away. There's now no condemnation in Christ." In this new covenant I've established with Noah, where the blood is given to them, the life, and uh, the life is sacred, the blood is sacred, and now they all, uh, they all, everything that comes out of that ark is a new creation under a new covenant, and and all the colors, um, again, there with Joseph's coat, with the breastplate of judgment, um, seem to speak of this perfect, complete judgment of many. In the person of one, when Paul says in Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen ish, uh, when one died fifteen maybe, when one died all died. When Jesus is raised up, he will draw all men unto himself, and he becomes the death. He he tastes death for every man. So, um, okay, so that's the first picture of death there, which is the the brothers rejecting him, the rejected savior. The next one, if I were to um, call it. Uh, it's part of the kind of part of the same story here, but it's I kind of see it as the the Lamb of God, the one because they bring the coat covered with blood back to the Father, and the Father looks at it and says, "Yes, that is my Son. Surely he has been torn to pieces." And the Father says that um, he will go down to Sheol. Uh, weeping for his lost son. The father recognizes his son as dead. The death is is it's not a question mark in his in his mind when he finds out later that his son is alive. It's as though his son is alive back from the dead. It's not well. I, I always kind of hoped he'd still be. No, it, it, as far as the father's concerned, the father recognizes his son dead when he sees the blood. Okay, and it's a finished work. And the Lamb of God has been sacrificed. The, lamb, the God sees the Lamb dead. Okay, and then there's the the third uh, view of this death is I, I guess I would call it the suffering servant or the obedient the obedient servant. Maybe I don't know. I'm just making up these names, but um, the. It has to do with Joseph sold into Egypt, being obedient to Potiphar, being obedient to his master in all things, trusted entirely, and yet he ends up being accused falsely and punished for something he didn't do, and he's obedient unto death. He refuses, like Christ, being tempted in all things, to receive that which was, you know, from the world, the flesh, the devil, whatever, like Joseph or like Jesus's refusal or, or, or standing firm in what God was giving him, he says, "How can I sin?" Even when Potiphar's wife, remember the story, Potiphar's wife keeps, um, you know, trying to, um, whatever, you know the story. Uh, come on to him, I guess. Um, she 
she keeps tempting him over and over and over again, and he says, "How could I sin against God and do this? You know, the Lord, Potiphar has put all things into my hand. How could I? How could I? How could I choose this? How could I go this route?" And um, and so he he bears the punishment for a sin, and then she she basically accuses him, and a sin the sins that weren't even his own were put upon him, and he goes into jail. And so. To me, that's, I, I see those stories as, I mean, they come in, the, in a timeline, obviously, because when we're reading a story, you can't, you can't, I mean, you're reading it and you're thinking this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, but to me, all three of those are kind of pictures of the same cross, the same judgment, and and then, and then the, this last one in jail, I feel like th- then it almost like it fans out again. If you can, if you can follow me here, I hope it's not sounding too confusing. But the story, I wish I would have driven, uh, drawn a little bit of a diagram. But it's, it's like it starts off with this son, this chosen one of the father, the beloved of the father goes out, and then you kind of have picture like three forks going out with pictures, specific pictures of the of the death, the cross, the rejection. The obedience unto death, and then and then that third one where he's thrown into prison, that one then fans out and gets into a whole bunch of uh, really amazing, clear pictures of what the the cross actually accomplished. So so first you have just the fact that there's this death, there's this rejection. The father recognizes the death. There's an obedient servant. There's a rejected servant and 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 he goes to death. But now I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but I'm because I'm just trying to make this as clear as I can. Now it's like the microscope zooms in or the telescope, you know, zooms in a little bit closer on this jail or sent into you know Sheol or whatever the the actual three days of what takes place in this death and God's trying to show us in the dreams of the um, the cupbearer and the the, the bread maker um, an, an, an awesome view of what's actually accomplished while Joseph is in prison, while Christ is put to death on the cross. Death, burial, and resurrection, these three days. What's going on during these three days? Well, that's going to be answered for you in this in this story. Now, one of the things that uh, I remember thinking it was confusing when I first uh, read it, and I didn't, uh, when I first started seeing these things, I didn't understand kind of how this seems to uh, happen a lot in types and shadows, but people people sometimes sh- uh, change roles um, in different stories. You know, like like Isaac, for instance. And, and Isaac, in, in one story, he's the promised seed that Abraham was waiting for to come forth by faith. And, and a couple chapters later, he's playing the father role of Jacob, who's going out from him and coming back to him with a, with an increase. You know. You can't always like each individual story kind of has its own uh, roles and 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 players, um, and, and sometimes they switch around. Because I'm saying that because at this point, when we're now that we're in Egypt, we're away from Jacob. Jacob is back, you know, kind of out of the picture right now. And in the in the following uh, story, Pharaoh now 
is going to play the the role of the father or the role of almighty god who who has wrath against his servant um who who then is divided into two a baker and a cupbearer but it's wrath against his servant and um and then also ends up exalting to his right hand um Joseph. But I mean if you can kind of see and again I hope this doesn't sound confusing but like Joseph is sent to jail but these two the cupbearer and the and, and the and the bread bread guy what's it called baker I guess baker bread maker whatever they are kind of um enlarging amplifying um explaining illustrating more of what happens in the death, in the burial of this one man. And they both have a dream. Um, and, and, and just like so many other stories that we've seen already and that we'll see so many more of these as we go through, this story has to do with three days. It has to do with the, the righteous judge. And, this, and it's weird because Pharaoh, like in the next uh, book of the Bible, Exodus, Pharaoh's the bad guy. But right now he's the good guy, okay? He's the father. And he has... Um, he has authority to execute judgment over his servants. And specifically, I believe that servant is, is Christ, the suffering servant, the servant, you know, Isaiah 53 servant who, who, uh, who bore our iniquities and transgressions and was, you know, chastised for our sins and all of that. And, and the, I'm gonna, I actually I think I'm going to read part of this chapter. My program is opening here. Okay, so, then it came about after these things, this is 40 verse 1, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them, and they were in confinement for some time. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials <clears throat> who were with him in confinement in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? And then they said to him, We have had a dream, and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to him, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to, jo dream to Joseph, and he said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me. And on the vine there were three branches, and as it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes, this is such an awesome picture, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Now, I mean, just all this language, just, you're going to see it again, the vine, the grapes that are squeezed, the cup, these are things that are going to pop back up in other stories, too. Um, okay, so, he put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head, 
will lift up your head, will raise up your head and restore you to your office and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. And then he says, only keep me in mind when it goes well with you and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was in fact, and he goes through his story, I was kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews and even here I've done nothing that... Um, they should have put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, um, Where am I? Here he goes. I also saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And in the top basket there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. And the birds were eating them out of the basket on my on my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is, my, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh off you. Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he, that, that he made a feast for all his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had interpreted to him. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Well, I'm hoping that, I mean, some of you may have heard me talk about this before, uh, whether you have or haven't. I'm hoping that some of these pictures... Uh, jump out at you because and, and they won't they won't jump out at you until um, until something of that cross putting away one man and restoring another to the father until Adam the whole body of death the whole flesh the body of the the whole corporate natural man until that man loses his head in your heart and loses his government and is hung upon a tree because cursed is everything that hangs upon a tree. And, and, you know, until that starts to be real in your heart and the fact that Christ, the blood, returns to the Father and becomes the blood by which we live. It's the blood that satisfies the Father. It's the, it's, and it's the blood, it's, it's the blood by which all who live, all the servants of Pharaoh, live and drink of that same cup they live by that same blood and and when those see that's that's why i i read this story a, a hundred times maybe i don't know before seeing this how beautiful and clear and perfect a description it was because i and because just like we've said a bunch of times in this class, if you don't have something of the fulfillment and real, the spiritual reality working in your heart, how are you going to recognize the shadow? You know, shadows, they, they definitely point to things, but you can't really tell very clearly what they are unless you're, unless you're familiar with the substance itself. And when the Lord begins to cut off cut off Adam's head in your heart and and show you that there's nothing good in that man and that he's given over to the to the birds to the demons to the fallen to the unclean and 
and those who live must leave that man and and leave him there dead and leave him there as because there's a new head there's he lifts up the head of the cupbearer and brings him to the father's side and offers that wine to every i mean the 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 pictures there are so um you know so perfect there's a body you know there's a body there's a man who doesn't survive those 3 days remember the picture we talked about last time in the story of Dinah and and that whole fleshy company um tried to join itself to Israel and they took Dinah by force the daughter of Jacob and and the brothers said look here's what we'll do you all get circumcised and in 3 days <laughs> It, you know, if you all will submit to the circumcision, then, um, then, then we can mix together. And yet, they didn't survive the circumcision. The three days ended up being their death. The three days, the circumcision take, took their life. You can't. The flesh doesn't survive the circumcision. It didn't in that story, and it doesn't in this one either. The bread, you know, Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my bread, drink my blood, eat my death. You have to eat, you have to, you know, fall on the rock or be broken. You know, you have to go into this death, be baptized into his death, planted together with him in death, buried with him in his death. You have to, you're, you know, you're, you're, Jesus is both of these men and and you experience both of these as well. You, you don't, you know, Jesus is, he, he he's not just the cupbearer. Jesus is the is the is the bread guy too. He's the he's the baker. He's the he's the last Adam. He's the one who 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 takes upon himself all that has caused the righteous wrath of God. He's the one that takes it to that tree. He's the one that that bears in himself the end of that man. He he does he's he's that and he's the other one. That's why I said so I said Joseph is kind of like divided into two people for a little bit here, and then he kind of comes back as one and 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 returns to the to the right hand of um, of the father. But it's like he now it's like in, in this this picture fans out and 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 um, and 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 we see we see God's view of what's accomplished in this death, and it's a it's a view of total. Elimination of one man, and and the and the complete restoration and exaltation of the man who bears the thing that the that the Father wants the the wine of life the wine of the new covenant. I mean, it's just so. It's to me, it's just it's too, it's just too good, and um, you know, I have. Uh, I have here just Galatians three thirteen written down. Cursed is well. Galatians three thirteen is a quote from Deuteronomy, but um, these these stories are so they're so consistent. Cursed is everyone. What is the what it, what is cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And then so what does Israel do when it's going through the land, removing flesh from the land, uncircumcised flesh? What do they do with all the kings of Israel? They, I mean, the kings not not of Israel, but the kings who are in Israel's land, the kings of uh, uh, of the Jebusites and the Canaanites and the Amorites, they hang them on trees. They hang them on trees. You know, cursed is everything that hangs on a tree. And so, you know, that that happens later. This is the first time. Um, I think, 
Maybe I'm maybe I'm not thinking of one. I mean, there's been lots of staff pictures and rods and stuff, but um, I think this is the first hanging on a tree one we get to. There will be others, and there'll be others, and they all point to the same one who hung on a tree. They they all they all point to that same death. Which when what was that death? Was it was it just dying so that we could be forgiven? No, it was the it was the removal of the head of the entire Adamic man. I just hope you can see that. I hope you can see that because that guy didn't just get whipped and then come back into the Pharaoh's into Pharaoh's presence. He didn't just get punished and spanked and put and put back in his post. He 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 was hung and the birds of the air ate his flesh and that's God's view of the man that Christ hung on the cross. The man that he left dead. He didn't bring that man back to life. It was a new man with a new cup and new wine. Um, that was the life of everyone who would live. So, um, how are we doing on time? Not a whole lot left. I just, I just, I really, I, I just love that picture. And every time I go through it, I feel like little things kind of stick out. There's something is, if you want to know what happened in the cross, if you want to know what happened in this death, then then zoom in on the jail, the jail story here, and. And you'll see that something in the cross, something is absolutely rejected. And you'll see that something else is accepted. You'll see that you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. You can't just drink the blood unless you eat the flesh. You can't, you have no right to drink that blood unless you eat his flesh, unless you bear his death, unless you, unless you die that death with him. Something is rejected and it's you. And something is accepted and it's Christ and you are accepted in the beloved. You're accepted in that wine. You're accepted in that cupbearer. Something is put away. Something else is brought back to the presence of the Father where it belongs, where it was before, and where it belongs. I don't know. I'm, I'm going off on that story just because I just think it's it's almost too awesome. Um, maybe I'll just mention a, in a couple, a couple minutes we have left. So then... So then um, the the story continues a little bit more of a the the, the kind of the, the fanning out fans back together and 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 the timeline moves on a little bit here and out come and Pharaoh now is warned of this great unavoidable devastation that's coming to the land so Pharaoh gets this dream and and if something if something isn't done and I think this is another picture of kind of like the the condition of the world the condition of the natural man if something isn't done everyone's going to perish everyone is going to die everyone including I mean include Egypt outside of Egypt Canaan the, the, the you know the the Hebrews that are still living in in, in Canaan everyone's going to die if something doesn't happen here and so the and, and and the answer to the problem the answer to the to the fact that everyone's going to die here in this famine is the, is the one who who is released from jail. He's the answer. You know, he he goes and he tells he tells uh, Pharaoh the um, the meaning of his of, of Pharaoh's dream, and and I love what Pharaoh says. For Joseph says, "Put a man over this whole land, you know, to bring salvation to this land." And then Pharaoh says, "Can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Can we find any other to put over this?" He comes out of jail with the spirit of God, and Pharaoh recognizes it and says, "It's Genesis forty-one thirty-eight. Can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God?" 
and and so uh he 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 then and I'm going to get in next time I'll get into the deep more of the details of how there's a lot of other things to to get into in this story but how how de, how Joseph becomes the savior of Egypt and and let me just read this little part here Genesis 41 just the the, the picture here of um of Joseph's exaltation 41:41 and Pharaoh said to Joseph see I, in 38, he said, Where, can I find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? I'm going to set him over the whole land. And then he's, in 41, he says, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in gar- garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over the whole land of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your consent no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And then he says, I didn't write it down, but there's another verse right after. He says, Only in the throne shall you be second to me, and everything else you are you are the same. You are the same as Pharaoh. And... Um, um I guess I'll stop. I don't want to. I was trying to decide whether I should go on to talk about because most of the next time we'll talk about Joseph as the savior of the land, and then maybe get into if we have time. Hopefully, the the way that Joseph reveals himself, um, the revelation of Joseph, the self revelation of Joseph that comes when the the hearts turn. Um, and then there's the story of the cup, the cup of Benjamin. And um, but I was going to possibly get into this this story of the two sons of J- Joseph, which are also another. It's the one where he switches his hands. But I'll get into that. I'll get into that next time and just stop here and see if there's comments, questions.